Real quick driven mofos, you know I don't run any advertising or sell anyone else's shit on this podcast. So the only thing that I'll ever ask from you is that you help me get this podcast out to more people and spread the word by rating and reviewing this podcast. I promise it will only take 10 seconds, so please rate and review if you haven't already done so. And thank you in advance. So the other day I was asked about what my perception was on toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. So let's dive into it and let's stir the pot a little bit. The most driven people in the world want to build great empires and leave a great legacy. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is my attempt at documenting the lessons I'm learning on my way to building a $100 million empire that helps people perform better in life and business. My hope is that you use these lessons to live a kick-ass life while building your own empire and leaving a powerful legacy. I hope you share and enjoy. Driven mofos, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about a question that I was asked the other day about toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. I also want to dive deep into what masculine and feminine means and why it has been used for thousands of years to represent certain ideas and why it's being so badly distorted in this day and age. Driven mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Let's dive into toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. Well, first of all, we need to understand what the idea of masculine and feminine means. Now, I want to take something to start with, and I want to read something from a little book called The Kabbalion. And The Kabbalion is a philosophical book that supposedly is of hermetic teachings, which are thousands of years old. In this day and age, when people are talking about masculine and feminine, they're talking about males and females, and gender is getting misrepresented as sexual orientation, which then gets misrepresented as biology. And so there's all this controversy around these different ideas. But I like to go back and try to understand what the original authors mean by the certain words that they use. So first of all, I like to go back and study the etymology of words, which is the history and meaning of those words. Because great thinkers tend to share great ideas throughout time but they normally get distorted by unintelligent people. We've all tried to explain something that we know in depth to someone who doesn't get it, and they will misinterpret, misrepresent, they'll just distort the shit out of what you said. And so everybody knows this, and they know that this happens. So the majority of our society distort the idea of the original authors of what masculine and feminine means. Now, masculine and feminine has nothing to do with genitals. So just because someone has a penis doesn't mean that they're masculine. And just because someone has a vagina doesn't mean that they're feminine. And then these days there's this intersex and there's all these different ideas around what gender is and all this sort of stuff. But I just like to go back to the original authors. Now I'm always up for a good debate or up for a good new idea or a different way of learning or a different way of seeing people's different points of views. I'm always open to that stuff. But again, I don't like going back and studying something in depth in order to find out that someone has just destroyed the whole idea and the whole concept of it, which helps give people understanding and why things are created. Like we can call an apple a bob and that means nothing. But if I convince enough people that an apple is a bob and that we shouldn't call it an apple anymore, then we'll just stop calling it an apple and we'll call it a bob. But all we've done is we've just changed words for the sake of changing words. And people have done that throughout the centuries where they just change words for the sake of changing words. And the original meaning of the word gets completely lost, which then means the understanding of why it was named that way also gets distorted. For instance, the word passion, when you look at the etymology of the word passion or the history of the word, the word passion means to suffer. Now, the original authors of the word, they use that word because someone who follows their passion tends to only see the upsides of something and not the downsides. They look at the good, but not the bad. They look at the right and not the wrong. And so when you start dating, you're more passionate in a relationship. The love's not there, but the passion is there. So it tends to be more exciting. You tend to show only the best of yourself. 
So that's why you have a passionate relationship because it's exciting, it's fun, it's interesting, it's engaging, but you're only showing half of yourself. So essentially you're lying about who you are as an individual. As you start dating someone and you start living together, you start to realize that that person isn't the whole self that you originally got the perception of. You start to notice that they have this whole other side to themselves. Now, over that time, the passion starts to die off, but the love starts to increase because love is the understanding of both sides of an individual. So when someone loves you as an individual, they see both your sides, your goods and your bads, your rights and your wrongs. They see everything about you. And so the less they judge you for you being you, the more they just see you as being yourself. And so that's when you love someone. Every parent knows that when they love their child, they know that the child is both their dream and their nightmare. The child has traits that the parent will label as good traits and also traits that they'll label the child as bad traits. But they know that they still love that child because the child expresses both sides of themselves and the parent can see that. So that's love. Now, passionate relationships normally don't last. And some people who love chasing the excitement of a relationship, when the relationship starts to move to love, they bail out because they want the excitement of the relationship. But that can also cause a lot of problems because they never really get someone who really loves them for them being themselves. They only get loved for the individual that they keep presenting, which is a one-sided individual that has all the good traits and they hide all the bad traits, or if you want to label it as such. So anyway, let's go back to masculine and feminine. So when we're talking about this, I've taken this page from the Kabbalion, and like I said, it's Hermetic Teachings. It's a great little book. And what it says here, it says, the principle of gender from the Kabbalion. Gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and its feminine principles. Gender manifests itself on all planes. The principle embodies the truth that gender manifests in everything. The masculine and the feminine principle ever at work. This is true not only in the physical plane, but the mental and even the spiritual planes. On the physical plane, the principle manifests itself as sex. On the higher plane, it takes a high form, but the principle is the same. No creation, physical, mental, or spiritual, is possible without this principle. An understanding of its laws will throw light on as many a subject that has perplexed the minds of men. The principle of gender works ever in the direction of generation, regeneration, and creation. Everything and every person contains both two elements or principles, or this great principle within it, him or her. Every male has the female element, and also female contains the male principle. If you would understand the philosophy of mental and spiritual creation, generation, and regeneration, you must understand and study this hermetic principle. So what it's saying is that a masculine person will tend to attract a feminine person, but the masculine person also has feminine traits as well as the masculine traits. It just expresses more of the masculine. Now, a feminine person has the masculine traits, but mainly expresses more of the feminine traits, which are more natural. And then in an intimate relationship, you are essentially attracting the polar opposite of the part of the self that you're expressing. So I'm more masculine in my nature, and so Jess is more feminine in her nature. But Jess can also be very masculine, and I can also be very feminine. So they are a principle. This is the yin and yang philosophy. So if we go back to the yin and yang philosophy that's been used for thousands of years in the Chinese philosophy, you will see that you've got the white side with a little black dot in it. That essentially is the same as saying there's a feminine side, which also contains the masculine. And then if we go to the black side, the black side has a white dot within it or a white circle which also shows that the masculine side also has the feminine within itself. Then you need to ask, well, what is the masculine and the feminine? And the Chinese express it in different forms. So what they will do is they will use, again, philosophical constructs. So they will say that the masculine is wood energy and wood energy is very strong. If you think about a large tree, 
it is hard to move a large tree. I was only talking about this the other day. And I said, why, if you've got a large tree at your house and you want to pull it out of the ground, why don't you just wrap a rope around it, tie it to your car and drive off? And they laughed and they said, well, it would fucking tear the car in half. And I said, that's exactly the point because it's so grounded and it's so solid, it doesn't move. And so therefore, someone who is masculine expresses a trait of wood energy. And wood energy is very solid. It's very grounding. It doesn't like to move as in, if it says this is the way something is, it doesn't like to change its opinion just very rapidly and it doesn't like to be pushed around. And so that is a very masculine trait. So that's one form. Also, masculine energy is fire energy, which means it flares up really, really quickly and it can die down. So if you throw fuel on a fire, it will flare up, but it will die down very quickly. Masculine energy also produces a lot of heat. So people that are more masculine tend to be more heated and they will tend to be warmer at nighttime. Then you have the feminine traits. The feminine trait they call in Chinese philosophy is water energy, and it's also earth energy. Earth can be very beautiful and radiant. So if you open your blinds on a sunny day and you look outside and it's sunny and you go, wow, today looks amazing. You feel this amazing energy that you have within yourself. I mean, most people know that they feel better on a sunny day when it's just warm and the sun's out and birds are around the place and life just seems better on a sunny day. Well, that's the feminine energy. But also the feminine energy being earth energy can also turn into a hurricane. And a hurricane can rip roofs off of houses, can be quite destructive, can be quite damaging. And so if you look at a group of, let's say, young females that are more feminine, they can all be going well. And then the next second, they just start attacking each other or they attack one individual and it can be very destructive. A group of masculine men will do that as well. But what will happen is that normally if there is one male that doesn't like another male and we're just using this we're using males and females as expressing the feminine and masculine energy you'll have two individuals who don't like each other they'll walk outside they'll punch each other in the face and beat each other up and then they'll walk back inside and they'll buy each other a beer afterwards if they're at the pub that is masculine energy they'll flare up really really quickly they will fight together fairly in order to figure out the pecking order and then from there that's it it's over and done with Whereas feminine energy can be quite destructive and it can last for a long period of time. So if someone is excluded from a group of females, those females can be quite destructive and consistently pick on that person and mentally manipulate that individual for an extended period of time. And that is because that is what the hermetic teachings and what the Chinese philosophy would classify as earth energy. It can be quite destructive for a period of time, but it can also be very radiant and beautiful and it can bring life to things, but it can also destroy life as well. Then you also have water energy, and water is in flow. If you think about a river, it carves its way through the valleys, and water can flow, it can move in and out. It's not really confined by structure. And so someone that's feminine can be very bubbly and bright and move around, and then the next second it can be sad, and then it can be happy again, and then it can be excitable. Whereas masculine energy doesn't have that same amount of energy, it tends to be very structured. So I remember growing up and seeing my grandfather. I don't remember my grandfather expressing a lot of emotion. He was very grounded though. And when my grandfather spoke, people paid attention. But he very rarely spoke. He would listen a lot. He would just listen. And if he was there, everyone was very grounded. Because it just seemed like, I don't know, he just had this presence like he was just there. And he was there for the family. So if he sat in the family and the family were having fun, he just sat there and observed. And he was having fun if everyone was enjoying themselves. But at the same time, he didn't need to be the person having fun. He just observed and watched other people have fun. And that was his enjoyment. He also was very proud of the family as well. But he was also the protector and very grounded with everyone. But like I said, he very rarely spoke. But when he spoke, it was almost like he commanded everybody to listen. Because when he spoke, he had something very intelligent to say. He wasn't very loose with his mouth. Now, that can also be a feminine trait where feminine energy will express itself through how it feels. 
whereas masculine energy expresses itself through logical sequences. And this is why in a relationship, you'll have one person who's feminine and one who's more masculine. If they're communicating with each other, the communication may seem off. The masculine energy will be expressing something that's very logical and sequential, and the feminine energy will be expressing feelings. The masculine energy doesn't understand that because it's going, well, fuck, I don't know what you're saying. Like you said this, but I just told you that that's not the case. But then the feminine energy says, yeah, but you're not listening to me. And the masculine energy will go, well, hang on. You said this, didn't you? The feminine energy goes, yeah, that's what I said, but that's not what I meant. And so what they're saying is that the feminine energy is expressing how it feels and how it feels changes moment by moment. Whereas the masculine energy being very grounded is very logical and has a sequence of events that it's trying to understand. It's trying to problem solve and fix shit. So I wanted to explain this because as someone who is masculine, I'm more masculine in my expressions. I still have times where I'm feminine and feminine is a nurturing healing energy. If you think about earth, earth is all about growth and water is all about enhancing that growth. So if you give something sunlight and you give something water, it grows. So when I'm around someone who's feminine, I feel like I'm growing. Like when Jess is feminine, I feel like I can just relax and I can chill out and that I can grow and I can learn. So in a creative environment, me being more feminine actually helps me to be more creative because I can be in flow. But when I need to get shit done, I need to be very productive and I walk into the gym. I don't want to float around in the gym and just sort of, I don't know, I feel like doing this and then I feel like doing that. I want to be more structured. So that's where my masculine energy comes out. So everyone has to understand that they have both energies inside themselves and in different environments that will change. There are times where I just need to get shit done. And to get shit done, I need to be just very productive. I just need to do things. And that happens by me being more masculine. But then there are times where I need to be very creative. And to be creative, I need to be more feminine. Then there are times where Jess needs to be very productive and just get shit done. And she is very methodical in the way she does things. That means that she's being more masculine. But then there are times where she will try to radiate her femininity, where when she gets dressed, she'll think about how she feels during the day and then express her feelings through the clothes that she wears. That's feminine. So now talking about toxic masculinity and toxic femininity, I don't really like the words too much because when we think about something that's toxic, it's destructive. Now, can you be masculine and destructive? Well, yeah. Can you be feminine and destructive? Yeah. Because if you look at what could be classified as toxic, can fire be toxic? Well, yeah. I mean, if it flares up all the time, that can be toxic to the environment around it. If it's wood and it needs to move and it can't move because it's so rigid and so structured, could that also be damaging? Yeah. Can feminine energy being in flow and being too loose with its mouth and consistently talk about the way that it feels in inappropriate environments, could that be a problem? Yeah. Could it also be a problem when it's destructive and outcast people from its own community or its own friendship circle and then is really nasty and destructive towards that individual? Well, yeah. So both parties can be toxic. There's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity and what it is. So when men are overaggressive, is that toxic? Well, it depends. Sometimes it's a safety mechanism that they have. For instance, I'll give you a really good example. If someone who's masculine, and I'm going to use males and females, because it's more easy to understand just based on gender roles in society, it's probably easy to explain this, but that doesn't mean that that's always the gender roles and so on. And I know that people will fucking criticize this and blah, blah, blah. I don't give a shit. If I use males as being more masculine and females as being more feminine, but like I said, it's essentially a philosophical construct in order to help people understand things. Now, if you look at the wood and the fire principle and the earth and the water principle, let's just say guy goes to work, guy works hard for two weeks, Guy gets home from work because he's been away. Let's say he's working the mines and he's tired. He's fucked out. He's burnt out because he's been burning that fire for two weeks straight. 
and he's been very rigid in the way that he operates. So when he comes home, he has to now switch into his feminine energy in order to heal himself, in order to rejuvenate, in order to grow. He walks in the front door, wife comes over and says, you need to look after the kids. You've never been home. You don't give a shit about us. All you ever give a shit about is yourself and you work all the time. You're never here for us. And so now this masculine person feels like, fuck, I've been at work in order to try to support the family. And now I'm getting essentially the shit beaten out of me. Is it going to be more highly likely that that person now is going to go back into their masculine and flare up and rage? Well, the answer is yes. So now did that masculine person become toxic masculine because of the environment that they were put in based on toxic femininity? Where instead of walking in and saying, hey, I really appreciate you. I know you've been working hard for the last couple of weeks. Look, I'll keep looking after the kids for a couple of days. I know you need to rest. I know you need to rejuvenate. I know you need to do some stuff for you because I really appreciate all the hard work that you're putting in to provide for this family. Then when that happens, the masculine is smart enough to go, well, hang on, now I've been working hard. I've been given time to rejuvenate and heal myself. So now what I want to do is I want to now help this person now express their femininity. So I'm going to take them out. I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to look after the kids so that they can go and do some stuff by themselves as well. And to make sure that they're looking after their feminine energy. Now, if that person does that, then now you have a relationship that works and it's based on appreciation versus a relationship which is, you motherfucker, you work all the time, you don't care about us, you don't look after us because this person only gives a shit about themselves. They don't care about the other person, they care about themselves. And maybe they're frustrated, maybe they're resentful for whatever reason. You know, and I understand you've been looking after the kids for two weeks, the other person hasn't been there, you're stressed, you're overwhelmed and you're burnt out. The other person also has been away working for two weeks, they're stressed out, burnt out and tired. But when they walk in the front door for the next 24, 48 hours or even three or four days, they probably need to heal and rejuvenate themselves, not be blasted. And so that now needs to come down to an effective communication between both parties to communicate what each other's expectations are and ask for help. And also how they can get the best out of themselves by helping the other person. So I know that there are times in our relationship where Jess has been working really, really hard and I'll just say, take the day off. And she will say, no, I've got too much work to do. I will ring our management and I'll say, or I will have a meeting with the management and I'll just say, hey, look, Jess is taking a couple of days off. Is there anything that needs to get done? If there is, is there any way that we can delegate that to get it done? Since doing that, Jess works so much more effectively and efficiently because she has now time to rejuvenate herself and look after herself. There are times where I have been flat out, like after events, and Jess will say, you are not to work today. And I'll say, no, I've got too much work. And she'll say, you are not to do that because she's looking after my best interest, not her best interest. And when you do that in a relationship, the relationship works a lot more effective than when you are just looking after yourself. So when one person gets home from being away for two weeks and they're getting grilled, of course they're going to flare up. Or when the person walks in the door and goes, why isn't the washing done? Why aren't the kids looked after? Why aren't you doing this? And grilling their partner and saying, well, you've been home for two weeks. You know, the least you could do is fucking clean the house. You don't know what's going on because you haven't asked any questions. Both of those two situations lead to, I guess, a toxicity and it's not just a toxic femininity or a toxic masculinity. It's just toxicity in general. It's a relationship toxicity. And there are plenty of people in our society that are toxic because they only think about themselves instead of thinking about others or thinking about other people's perspectives in the way that they communicate or in the way that they need help or whatever it is. 
Hey Driven Mofos, if you ever wanna have the video version of this podcast, which usually has more effects, visuals, graphs, and helps you to retain more of the information that I share, then check out my YouTube channel. I also share bonus in-depth training behind the scenes from some of our live events, plus interviews from some of the country's most successful people. So if you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, then check it out via the link in the description of the podcast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest stuff. Now, those toxic environments and those toxic relationships hopefully create enough pain for that couple to grow or to learn and to better themselves. But if they just blame the other person and say, well, fuck them, and then the other person says, well, fuck them too, then you're going to have a shitty relationship. And I've definitely seen it like, you know, having worked with people who work away in the mines when I used to be a diesel mechanic, you know, I used to see the way that they would talk about their intimate partner and it wasn't good. It was toxic and it was toxic because they probably felt like they weren't getting what they needed in the relationship, but didn't know how to communicate about it because they were shit communicators. Then they would blame their partner for not doing what they wanted because they didn't communicate it. Then you have the other person, I'm assuming also, who felt unappreciated and disrespected consistently. And then so they would probably be toxic in the way that they communicated with the other person because they felt like the other person didn't appreciate them and didn't respect them. So this is going to cause that toxicity. So in response to the question about toxic masculinity and femininity and what my thoughts are, well, I know that something that's a toxin tends to be damaging. Now, I think that there are a lot of things that we all do that are toxic, like our thoughts can be toxic. Our actions can be toxic. Our ideas can be toxic. Our beliefs can be toxic. Our perceptions can be toxic. Our relationships can be toxic. Our friendships can be toxic. Our families can be toxic. Our health can be toxic. It all depends. And it all depends on the amount of the thing that you're consuming. Is it going to happen one day where you get home from work and your partner's going to be there and say, hey, you didn't do this and then fucking blast you. And then now all of a sudden you're having an argument. Well, yeah, that's an environmental factor that probably leads to a toxic situation. Could you grow from that? Definitely. What I also know is that in nature, if you look at biology, something that's toxic, an organism will tend to move away from it. Organisms tend to move away from things that perceives reduce the quality of their life or reduce the quality of its life or can be damaging to life. And it will move towards things that it perceives benefit its life. Now, if that person is in a relationship with someone that is toxic and it keeps going back to it, then there obviously has to be benefits to that relationship. And normally it's learning, it's growth, it's understanding, it's being able to communicate more effectively. But if you don't grow from that and you just keep doing the same shit and then you blame the other person, then it's probably because you also have a toxic mindset and a toxic way of thinking about life. Whereas if you see that as being an opportunity to learn, then you learn from that situation, you grow from it. Now, all of a sudden you have less toxicity at the same level within your own life. So I don't know that I necessarily agree with a lot of the ideas and the ideals around toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. Both parties can be toxic. And also every male has both masculine and feminine traits and also females have both toxic and feminine traits and every other gender that's supposedly out there now also has both masculine and feminine traits it all depends but it is a philosophical construct that helps people to understand things you can be a male and be feminine in fact i've got a cousin of mine who is gay and he is very feminine it's really easy to tell and that doesn't make him any less of an individual it doesn't make him a better or worse person it's just that that's how he's been and he's been that way his whole life it's just he expresses more of the feminine trait. I would assume that when he has relationships as well, that those relationships, he will probably date someone who's a bit more masculine in their natural traits. And then there are people who tend to be a bit more balanced. They're a bit of both. So you'll see couples that as they get older, some couples, they will be a lot more balanced. They almost look the same. They dress the same. They act the same. They think the same. And that's because they're coming into more of a balanced persona. You will see someone who is very highly masculine, who expresses heavy, heavy masculine traits, will tend to attract someone who expresses heavy, heavy feminine traits. 
those polarities though create a huge attraction, but they also create a huge misunderstanding because it's hard to understand something that you don't know. And so someone who is more balanced in their masculine and feminine energy will understand the other person a lot more. So it's more highly likely that you have more of a loving relationship if you're more balanced in your masculine and feminine energy than someone who expresses the majority of their energy as masculine because they're going to attract someone who is highly, highly feminine. And that person who is highly, highly feminine is going to express those feminine traits, which the other person is not going to understand. And they won't understand why their communication style is different. And they'll say things like, I don't, I don't know why you just don't say what you mean. Well, that's very good for someone who's masculine, but not someone who's feminine because they're trying to express how they feel when they're in flow. And should you keep pushing that onto that individual, the thing that attracted you to that person, which is their femininity, is going to be the thing that they're going to lose. And 10, 15 years down the track, you're going to look at them one day and go, I'm unattracted to you now because I was attracted to someone who was highly feminine, who was in flow, who had this radiating energy that was highly creative, that expressed their, I'll use the word beauty, but I'm not talking about physical beauty. I'm talking about the radiant energy of beauty that you used to dress up and look nice and you had this energy about you, whereas now that's all gone. Well, no shit, it's all gone because you beat the shit out of that by telling them that they need to act the way that you want them to act, to behave the way that you expect them to behave, to think the way you want them to think. So essentially, you're attracted to their feminine energy, but turned them into a dude. And then now you're not attracted to them anymore. Well, no fucking wonder because you don't know what you really want and you don't understand the purpose of that attraction force. And really, it is to understand and to grow and to accept that person but also to accept that part of yourself. So that's why we tend to attract certain people into our lives because the people that we judge and criticize are the parts of ourselves that we choose not to see within ourselves. And this is what Carl Jung identified as the shadow. So when you hear about the shadow and identifying shadow, I see all this shit now, it's like a trendy thing where people go, you know, I'm doing shadow work. But if you're doing shadow work, that means that you have to acknowledge and also accept the parts of yourself that you resent, despise, and the parts of yourself that you're trying to run away from. So I've spoken about this on other episodes where I talk about the shadow. It's also the thing that Sigmund Freud called the superego. The superego is essentially implanted values of other people. And you accept that. So when you see someone, instead of criticizing them, when you criticize, you're just criticizing a part of yourself that you haven't owned. So when someone says, you know, that person's a piece of shit, they're a liar. Well, you're essentially not acknowledging the part of yourself that is a liar. And you can't love the part of yourself that lies. And what happens is that's a part of yourself that you resent and despise and you try to hide. And so you'll become ashamed of that part of yourself. That shame then stops you from being authentically you. So anytime we're ashamed of a part of ourselves, we will tend to hide it. The more we hide things, the less we can be ourselves, which means the less authentic we can be. This is just part of our own growth and our own journey within our own lives. I go into a lot of this stuff in our Thrive Time event because the more that you can deal with these parts of yourself, the more you can understand yourself. There have been plenty of people who have come to Thrive Time who have been in a relationship, a long-term relationship, and they can't understand why the love's gone, why they argue too much, why they fight, or why they just don't communicate properly anymore. Once I go through a lot of this stuff and help them to own themselves, even if they just come to the event, like we have plenty of people who come to the event who are in a relationship crisis, and they go, well, my partner won't come. And I'll say to them, if you come first, and then they start to see the change within you, then they will probably want to do it. But if you say to them, you need to change. They're going to go tell you to fuck yourself because first of all, they're probably resentful towards you in some way, shape or form. You both know that the relationship needs to change and that something needs to be worked through. But at the same time, no one wants to be told that you need to change in an intimate relationship because you're not loving the person for who they are. So that creates conflict within itself. So if you just say, hey, I'm going to this event, this is what I'm doing, you're more than welcome to come with me, but this is what I've decided to do for our relationship and also to better myself. 
they may come. If not, they may come in two or three years. We've had plenty of people who come and then their partner will decide to come along in two to three years down the track. And then it helps their relationship, but they see the change in the other person. One of the worst things is when someone pulls the other person along and says, you have to come because that person doesn't really want to be there in the first place. Now, I've had that happen a couple of times. Eventually, what ends up happening is the person who didn't want to be there will eventually come back for themselves. So we've had it where there's a very clear one where one person was forced to come along to the event and didn't even know that they were coming to the event. They thought they were going on a holiday and ended up at our Thrive Time event. And when I asked him, I said, look, you look like you don't want to be here. And he said, it's not that I don't want to be here. It's just I thought that I was going on a fishing trip and now I'm fucking in this event and I like I hadn't planned for it. He was actually wearing all his fishing gear and shit. And that was because his wife at the time had tried to force him to change. But what had happened there was that the wife chose to bring him along because she was trying to force him to change instead of looking at the shit she needed to change within herself. Now, obviously, that relationship didn't work out too well. That's what happens when you do things to try to change your partner instead of looking within yourself and making those changes and then allowing your partner to see the benefits of those changes. So I don't recommend that that happens. But there are plenty of couples that come to Thrive Time that have saved their marriage because now they understand themselves, they understand their values, they understand how they express both the masculine and feminine energy, and then when it becomes toxic in that relationship or within that environment. And so they can start to navigate the conversations that they have better they can communicate more effectively and they can live a life with a better relationship and someone who understands them. So anyway, that's my perception on the idea of masculine and feminine energy. I don't think it's bad. I think it's an ancient philosophy that should you understand it will help you to navigate life more effectively. As in the Kabbalion, all creative energy and the creation of things is both tied up in the masculine and the feminine. The feminine is more of the creative energy and the designing of things. The masculine energy is more of the engineering, the architecture of something and then also the action that it takes in order to build something. So you can't build something without the creative energy of the feminine and without new ideas and all of the creativity of the feminine energy, but then it can't get built without the structure and without the action of the masculine energy. Therefore, things in life need to have both masculine and feminine in order to grow. And this is the same for you. If I'm creating a new product, I need to be more in my feminine, where I will put on music, I will tend to go sit outside, I want to go hang out down the beach or something like that where I have more of a creative energy in me and it helps me design things more effectively. If I need to be more structured, then exactly like I am today. This here is in the afternoon and I've got all my blinds closed in my office so I can't see anything outside. I have my little light that I'm filming on and that's about it. I can't see anything because I'm blocking any creative energy that I have. I just need to get shit done and record these things. So there are times and places to be masculine. There are times and places to be feminine. If you're problem solving, being more feminine is a great idea. If you're trying to be more structured, being more masculine in your energy is a great idea. So these are principles, they're philosophies that help people to navigate life. These have been distorted and idolized and idealisms have been created. And then people now say, well, you know, there's no such thing as masculine and there's no such thing as feminine. And they're saying, well, but feminine is masculine and masculine is feminine. I mean, there was this lady who came to my event who classified herself as a feminist and she went fucking nuts when I spoke about this stuff. And she was saying, well, why can't someone who's feminine be masculine? And I said, well, they can. And she's like, but no, that's not what you're saying. You're saying that a woman can't be masculine. I was like, I never said that. And all she heard was everything that just brought up her insecurities and the shit that she hadn't dealt with within her own life because of whatever society had projected onto her. And I know that there are a whole bunch of people out there who feel suppressed in their natural energy but by not listening and by not learning and by not wanting to learn about these great ancient philosophies that have been around for thousands of years because they fucking work 
and they help people to understand how to navigate life more effectively. By distorting the shit out of this stuff, like which is what's happening in society at the moment around masculine, feminine, and gender ideologies and all this sort of stuff, it actually confuses people more than anything for whatever reason. I guess there's benefits to it as well. But anyway, I hope that answer helped and I hope it gave a bit of an insight into this idea of masculine and feminine energy and when to use it and when you have it. Like, you know, as I said, if I've been training really, really hard, that's more of a masculine fire burn energy. And if I've been more structured in my life, that's more of a masculine wood energy. Sometimes after I go through that for an extended period of time, I need to just relax and be in flow and just chill out and go with the flow and not be so structured and to have more creative energy within my life because it makes me feel good and it brings me back to the present. Feminine energy tends to bring things back to the present. Masculine energy tends to be looking at future and structure and all of this sort of stuff. So it can be very boring and very dull. So both of those two energies are needed to have a great life. Anyway, I hope that this gives a better understanding and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't rated and reviewed this podcast, please remember to do so. I really appreciate each and every one of you and thanks for listening to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Keep kicking ass, driven mofos. Go hard. <laughs>